really sense there's a real presence of God in the room this morning. Amen. You know that song we were just singing, um, what was the one, honey? One of my favorite. I exult you. You know, it's a, uh, it, they're so simple words, but you know, even in the midst of all the, what's happening around us right now, you know, that we can sing that song and get lost in the presence of God and feel His peace. You know, we've just been singing this song now. I find peace in your presence. You know, you look all around us. I've been everywhere and been out in the community and seeing some, some terrible things out there and think, where do you, how do you find peace? How do you find peace in all this with people who have lost everything? And I realized this morning, you know, singing that song, we can only find the peace that we need, amen, in the presence of God. People need the presence of God. People need the peace of God, amen. And, you know, we have a great responsibility here as a church to get out there and encourage people and, and uh, share that peace of God, share what, what we're experiencing. And people need it, amen. They need it. They need the hope of Christ in their lives. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Thank you, guys. You've done an amazing job. I'll just move a bit of this stuff out of the way. Uh, now I'm not the big dog up here anymore. I don't get that. No, stand down, stand down, stand down. <laughs> I was just talking to a great friend of mine. Um, I got to know him when we first moved to the, to the bay here, and we were going to uh, Bay City, which is now called Ascend Global. And um, he was a guy that went to the church there. We became friends. Um, I've watched his journey into... Um, going into business and taking some massive steps of faith, really, massive steps, borrowing a lot of money and has got into the orchard business. He was just managing orchards and now he, he leases a couple of, his, of orchards of his own and, and he's, uh, um, he's bought an orchard. I was talking to him the other day after the, after the flood and he was just sitting in minor there, looked like a stunned mullet. And I, we got talking and... Um, he said that, you know, his, uh, uh, his property is down below a property where I've been working, helping a guy clean out his orchard and try to get it so that he can get some sort of harvest in this year. And, and uh, this guy's orchards, two, his, two of his orchards are below that further and they come up against the stop bank, which where the water sort of came up against. And and then, and then the silt settled there. So some of his trees, you can't see the top of his trees. The whole orchard is, is, is gone, and uh, two of them, which is, and you know, he's sitting there and he's thinking, well, man, you know, I'm just unsure. But anyway, we got talking and he said, you know, I've just built a new house this year. And I said, how's your house doing? And he said, oh, the house was, was fine. And, uh, and I said, and you've got another orchard? And he goes, yeah, yeah, I have. It never even got touched. And all of a sudden, you could see light come into his eyes and he said, I've still got 50% of my business. And, uh, and, you know, great Christian man, and I saw a, face, a Facebook um, thing um, saying, you know, how blessed he was that they, that they still had 50% of their business and that their, their family were safe and all their church family were safe. And I thought, you know, that's the peace of God. Amen? It's only the peace of God can bring that into a person's life. And so, you know, now there's positivity coming out of that. And, yep, so I've lost some, but I still have heaps, and I'm still blessed. Amen? And I'll still follow Jesus wherever he leads me. And so that's the title of my message today. But I want to share something for you, with you, the first thing before we get started. I really want to encourage you. 
You know, so often when we share the gospel with somebody, it takes a lot of courage to do that, doesn't it? You know, I, I, um, some people it, it just comes very naturally, and other people, you know, we have to work a little bit harder at it. It takes bravery, really. Somebody you've never met before, and, and there's an opportunity there, but you're not sure how it's going to be received. Are they going to think you're a weirdo or, or what? And so, you know, you pluck up the courage and you start to share, so... Anyway, about a month ago, I was sitting in the, down here at the church. We were having a, a, a business meeting. And just as the meeting was over, a little Māori girl walks into the church, a little Māori lady. Uh, I, I mean, she was carrying a guitar, and it looked like the guitar was way too big for her. She was like five foot nothing. And she came in, and she was in bare feet. And she walked in, and, she, and I said, uh, can I help you? And she said, oh, I'm actually looking for Jack. And I said, oh, yeah, too, that's me. And she said, um, so I, I invited her to sit down on the couch out there. And I said, um, how can I help you? And she said, well, I've, I've written a song, and I'd, I'd like to share it here. And, and, you know, shame on me a little bit. I thought, oh, heck, here we go. Um, got this, somebody who wants to come be a movie star, and the, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm human, right, you know, uh, you guys know that, and I had that thought, I thought, oh, heck, where are we going to go, and then I just thought, no, no, look, I want to know more about this, and she said, so I said, look, I actually can't, I can't tell you whether you can worship lead up here, I said, I don't even pastor this church anymore, I said, there's other pastors in place, and there's worship directors, her name's Panya, I'll give you her phone number, uh, <laughs> And I said, uh, but, you know, contact her if you... And she goes, oh, no, no, I, I just felt God say, come down here, and a song that he put on my heart, I'd like to sing to you. <laughs> so, so I thought, oh, I'm getting serenaded here. <laughs> and what an... What, what, <laughs> yeah, you can... You better believe that. And anyway, she sang a song that she felt that God had put on her heart. It was the most wonderful, moving song I think I've ever heard that just made, uh, inside I just wanted to weep uh, from, for joy. And she said, and I said, uh, so where, where do you live? And she said, oh, we've received baskets from your church and at Christmas time, and yeah, we're pretty poor Hutter family, and you know, and she said, you know, I don't even have any shoes for my feet today, and and stuff, but she said, I really felt to come sing the song to you. And I said, oh, okay, um, do we, have, have you got a husband that, that we would know, or is anybody that we would know? Have I, would? and she says, actually, can I tell you that my husband came to your house up when, when we lived in Blackburn, and she said, and he varnished, uh, sanded and varnished your floor. All of a sudden, a penny dropped. And I, and, and I remember this was one of those moments where this fellow was in there varnishing the floor, sanding the floor. I was having a coffee, so I made him a coffee, and we started to talk. And I said, I asked him, did he, he asked me, what do you do? And I said, well, I pastor a church. And he goes, oh, true. Well, well what kind of church do you pastor? What do you, what do you preach in that church? So I thought, oh, well, be rude not to let an opportunity go by. So I shared the gospel with him. And, and I said, bro, would you like to receive Christ? You know, this is, this is big stuff, stepping out like that. And often we never know where that ends. He leaves, we disappear, it's all over, we don't know. But I think God wanted to encourage me. And anyway, so, he, so she said, yeah, he came up to your house. And I remember 
praying with him that he would receive the gospel. And I said to him, promise me one thing. His name was Mark. I said, Mark, promise me one thing. Will you go home and share this with somebody? So he went home and he told his wife. And that family are going on for God, hard out. All their kids are saved. His life has radically been changed. Her life has radically changed. Then she sang me another song. Um, that was, she was reading through the Ten Commandments and the Lord said to her, I'd like you to personalize, personalize this in a song. And that was just wonderful as well. It was like straight scripture. But she sang the first part of it and then spoke the second half of it. And, and, and it sounded like Jesus speaking. It was just, it was wonderful, you know. I was just so encouraged. And I, I just so wanted to encourage you this morning. Guys, sometimes we give up because we think, oh, well, what the heck? You know, I shared the gospel, never heard anything about it, never knew what came out. We're sowed seeds, amen? When we share the gospel, our job is we just are sowing seed. We're casting seed out. We don't know whether some falls on the stony ground, some falls on, the, or on good soil, or, or what the outcome of that will be. But I hope you're encouraged this morning because I sure was, and you know, I haven't been able to get that out of my mind. And it's actually uh, that message, her first song, Come Follow Me, is where this message today came from. I had a different message uh, prepared, and when Kent asked me to preach, I said, yeah, yeah, and I've got the notes from when I was going to preach a month ago, but uh, I forgot to push save on my notes. So when I sat down last night, and yesterday afternoon, started putting together, I went, Chook and she was blank page. So you're getting it raw. You're getting it so raw this morning. Yeah, I want to give it to you fresh. So, so, you know, we've had a couple of crazy weeks, amen. You know, we really have. And, but I'm, it's so great that, you know, everybody's good. And, you know, every, all the testimonies of people that I talk to, and they say, yeah, you know, the water got close to the door, but we stood in faith and we believed. And, and um, you know, it never touched our house. And, um, you know, other people I've talked to have said, you know, our, um, everybody around us was flooded, but we weren't. And, and I think, man, you know, God, you're such a good God. And it doesn't mean that he's a bad God to the ones who got damaged. He doesn't believe, it, 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 you know, just because Rob and Emily, he's not a bad God. It's not like I'm going to punish these people, and, but I'm going to save these people or anything. You know, the Bible says that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. So, you know, good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people, right? Whether you're a Christian, righteous, unrighteous or not, it makes no difference. But, but we're blessed, amen? And we can be grateful that, that uh, you know, I woke up in the morning. I, I, I wanted to mow my lawns at night because I was so embarrassed that people might drive past and think, ah, look at that fellow, never even got touched by the flood, thinks he's mowing his blinking lawns. I felt, I felt for a while there, I felt ashamed really that we, that we came through without a, hardly a twig blowing off our tree. And all of my kids the same. And all of you guys, really. You know, everybody I've talked to, everybody's, everybody. But it's not always like that, amen? You know, it can change in the twinkling of an eye for us. You know, you can go to the doctor feeling like you're just going in for a checkup and you can get a, 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 um, a death sentence like some people in this church have, have had. And you know, it can change in the twinkling of an eye. I was reading in, in 1 Samuel 23, 20, verse 3, and, and David, the, the anointed king, he's not yet king, but he's been anointed king, and Saul's chasing him, and he's hiding in all over the place, and he goes to Jonathan, and he says to Jonathan, Jonathan, what have I done? 
you tell me what I've done that would have your father chase me and want to kill me. And Jonathan's like, nah, that's not dad. Oh, that's not, that's not the king. He's, he's got no reason to want to. And David says this in 1 Samuel 20, uh, verse 3. He, said, he says, there is only a step between me and death. Only a step. And as I read that, I realized that's the same for you and I. We're only a step away from, from either having a bad report or going through a flood or it could happen to any one of us at any time. And you know, and, and, and how, we, how we handle what we're going through can really, really affect our walk with the Lord. Can't it? It really does. When everything's going great in our lives, it's so easy to follow God. When we've got money in the bank and we've got a nice car and a nice house and we've got a great job, it's so easy to follow God. It, it, you know, to, to, to follow Him and to uh, say, Lord, I'll go wherever you go. I'll do whatever you want me to do, Lord. I'll do it. But then all of a sudden, something happens in our lives and all of a sudden, you know, our perspective of who God is all of a sudden takes a different turn. We all of a sudden start, instead of seeing him as, whoo, the God who, who kept my house and put the money in the bank and gave me the great job, now all of a sudden it's like, well, he's not such a good God after all. I'm feeling, you know, I'm going through a hard time. I wonder if David felt like that. We don't know that, but the Bible does say that he was discouraged. I'd say his discouragement came that, well, Lord, I'm the anointed, I was the anointed king. I am the anointed king, and how can I be hiding in a cave like a dog? You know, there's been a lot of people, I'm sure, feel like that. So, you know, um, so I want to start with Jesus when he shows up on the scene. You know, when we start reading the Bible, and all of us here read the Bible, so we know the stories. When Jesus comes, when Jesus as, as a baby, we hear about him being a baby. We hear about a little bit about him growing up, but not much. Really only when his parents took him to the, to the um, temple and Jesus gets lost and then he preaches in the temple and the people are amazed by him. And then, you know, there's, there's not too much more. We don't hear too much more until he arrives down and, and is baptized by John the Baptist. And then we know that he gets baptized and he comes up out of the water, and the, uh, a, a dove descends on him, and the voice of the Lord says, his father, the voice of his father. I, I was reading that this morning, and I thought, man, I just want to hear those words. I want to hear those words. I don't care about all the other words. I don't care about anything else. I want to hear these words. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. You know, just that alone should be enough to, make, to help you and I follow Christ through any circumstance, any disaster, that we will not give up. We will persevere and go hard to follow after Jesus. And when I, when I say, I, I want to say this morning, I just clarify something. There are many people that, that we're hot on for God one minute. We're not so hot on the next minute for whatever reason. I've been there many times. And did I lose my salvation? No, I don't believe I did for a moment. But I believe that I got off track of following the Lord and His destiny and His desire for my life. But there's always, a, there's always the path back, right? Isn't that the story of the prodigal son? He went off and he came back and he got restored. So there's hope for every one of us. If you're not going so hard for God right today, make a decision to turn around. He'll receive you. He loves us. Amen. He's, he's an amazing father. 
He's got a great plan for your life. His plan for our lives has never changed. Amen? It's still the same today as it always was. So, you know, then we hear about Jesus, and he goes into the desert, and he and he's, he's tested, tempted by the, the devil. And I read that this morning, and I thought, what a great lesson in that. I hear so many people say to me, oh, I was talking to the devil and this morning, and I said to him, and I said to him, and I said to him. And I'm thinking, Jesus didn't say nothing to that fellow, but get the stuff away from me. You've got no control over my life. He didn't give him any time. We shouldn't give the enemy any time. We shouldn't give him any credit for anything that good or bad that happens in our lives. The Bible says that we have all power and authority over the power of the enemy. We should never give him any credit for nothing. If we, life's too short. If we're going to give our time and, our, and credit to anybody, let's give it to Jesus, amen? Because he's a good God. We should never forget that he's a good God, Muz, amen? All the time he's good. So, you know, then, then the next thing we see is we see Jesus walking on the beach and he's now calling his disciples, come follow me. He says, he doesn't promise them anything great. He doesn't promise them that, that this is going to happen, that's going to happen. Man, live your life with me and there'll be no worries, there'll be no trouble. Everything's going to be good. There was no, if they had come up with any excuses, you know, in, in, in Luke 9, uh, Jesus says to some people, come follow me, and they've come up with all the excuses under the sun. First, let me go back and bury my dad. Oh, no, let me go back and say goodbye to my mum and dad. And Jesus says, anybody who, who puts his hand to the plow but looks back can have no place in me. So there's no promise of just this rosy-dozy life that, that, that many of us think that we... And this is a problem, I think, that many of us accept Christ and... Man, we, our sin is forgiven, we're born again, and we're, we're going to live a great life, right? That's the truth of it. We're going to live a great life. But it doesn't mean we're going to live a great life without any trouble in it. And many of us think that it's just a great life. So that when the trouble comes, all of a sudden, God's this God that he's, he's just not the God. And I'm, and I'm speaking to myself here, guys, because I've been there. You know, I, I was told, accept Jesus into your life and... It's just going to be the best life you've ever lived. Well, now I realize it is. But when I was young and, and, and rubbish just came into my life, I just thought everybody was a blinking liar. I really did. And, and, and this was the scripture they used. The old is gone. You're a new creation in Christ. I woke up the next morning and I was still jack. Still had a filthy mind. Still had a swear mouth. Sorry calls it a swear factory. I, I had all of these things. And I just thought... This is rubbish. But I didn't understand. We need to understand that God is good and we're on this journey, amen? So when he said this, when he said to the disciples, see, there was no promise of a, of a luxury life following Jesus. But what he did say was, if you want to come after me, you must deny yourself. You must pick up your cross and follow after me. Now, I thought about that this morning and I thought about picking up your cross. We don't pick up our cross and crucify ourselves. What, what I realized is, remember, I got a picture this morning of Jesus when he, was, when he had to carry his cross and he had to take his cross down the road. So there's a journey involved, amen? When Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me, he's saying there's a journey involved, guys. You're not going to be like me overnight. You're not going to be totally, uh, you're not going to deny your whole life. It's a journey. It's going to take time. 
And, and as we drag our cross down the road, we are going to get to a point of destination where our flesh has finally been crucified. And that's when Christ returns. But until then, we're taking our cross. We're suffering. We're going through trials. We're going through upsets. We're going through uh, downfalls and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, we're going to have moments when we're on the mountain, but you know, you've got to go down the other side. And so life is like that. And we need, to, we, need, we need to appreciate that. And we need to say, come hill or valley or smooth plains, whatever it might be, I will follow after you, Lord. It doesn't matter what comes. I choose to follow after you. Amen? I believe you're a good God. I thought I, thought I might chuck that in there. I believe that you're a good God. We have to determine that in our heart, that he is a good God and he's good all the time. Amen? So it was never planned that this walk of following after Jesus was going to be easy. So, you know, there will even be suffering. Guys, we need to hear, we need to hear this. I was reading the other day about Saul. So I've started reading the Bible again and I go into some... New Testament started at Matthew, and I think now I'm in Mark, and then I like to read Acts, and then I'll jump into Corinthians, and I just go all over the place, but I like to, I like to read, and especially when we were on holiday, it was great, Sarah, and I'd wake up in the morning with no cows to shift, no kids to talk to, anything like that, just have a coffee, and we could just read, and it was, it was amazing, and I was reading the story about Saul, and about how Saul was persecuting, he was so zealous for persecuting Christians, just as zealous he is for now seeing the unsaved saved. Man, that, that dude just couldn't get enough Christians to beat and to take into prison. He was hardcore, and the Christians were petrified of him. Just to hear his name scared them. And so uh, we know the story that, that Saul is on the road to Damascus. He's going to hunt down Christians, and he, and he encounters the living God, the Bible says. He encounters Jesus on the road, the crucified Christ. He just encounters him, not like this, but through a voice, and he knows it's God, and he, he, he gets, he's blinded. And so he goes down to, into the village, and he goes to a house there, and he's sitting there, and the Lord speaks to a guy called Ananias, and he says, Ananias, go to Saul. And Ananias is like, nah, bro, nah, that, you, you know that's the fella. That's the fella that kills fellas like me. I don't want to go. And he says, no, no, I've called him. I've called this man. I've appointed him to take the gospel to the Gentiles and to the kings of those people. I've, I've called him to do that. And then he says this thing, but, but the Lord said to Ananias, go. So this is in Acts 9, 15 and 16. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. And then he goes on, verse 16, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. I will show, isn't that a, isn't that a great uh, 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 prophetic word for your life? You follow me, bro, and, and I'll show you how much you're going to suffer. If that, came, if that was for you and I, we'd say, thank you very much, Lord. But catch you up. This is not the life I've signed up for. We love it when, they, when, the, when, the, when the, the, prof, the prophetic preacher comes to the church. Woo, Father, we're lining up for the, for the, for the we're, we're sitting, come on, guys. We're sitting back there and we're saying, oh, I hope he picks me. 
That's going to be mean. He's, oh, you're going to get a wife. Your husband is going to have so much money you can't believe it. You know, woo, you're, you know, it, it just goes, you know, we're just looking for the amazing prophetic word. Well, let me, let me just take you down. Let me just take you down to one. Here's Peter. Here's Peter. This is the guy that, this is the, the basically the, the leader, you know, of the, of the church, of the disciples. You know, he's, he's, a, he's a top man. And so in John 21, verse 18 to 21, Jesus says this, Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you were old, when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and they will lead you where you would not go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death that Peter would glorify him. He's prophesying to Peter. And he says, mate, at the moment, it's all good. You can come and go as you please. You're young. Do whatever you like. But there is coming a time when somebody's going to tie, bind your hands and they're going to lead you where you had no intention of going. And that, he's talking about how Peter's going to die. And as we know, history plays out, Peter is crucified upside down. It's not the prophetic word that you and I would want to hear that would cause us to say, Whew, I just want to follow you, Lord. But that's the word that came to Peter. And then he said to him this, follow me. Just prophesied his death. And he says, but follow me. Yeah, I read that and I thought, well, nah. If I'm going to be beaten and whatever, I want to do it at my own, my own ways, you know. Peter turned and saw, so let me, let me read it. He says, Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who leaned um, leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who are you going to betray? Then Peter asked, said to the Lord, Lord, what about him? What about that fella? <laughs> Think about that. And we've all done it. Come on. We've all done it. Something bad's happening in our life and we look at a person and we think, well, well why is this happening to me? Well, what about that fella? He lives a way worse life than me. I've seen the way he treats his kids. I've seen the way that he speaks to his missus. Well, I've seen the way that he swears. He's got a swear factory for mouth. Well, not like me. I'm hard out in the church. Big tither, generous. How could that happen to me? And that's what Peter's saying. Lord, Peter goes on to say, it's an amazing story. You really, really need to read it. And so, you know, this is just after Jesus has restored Peter with the restoration breakfast on the beach. You remember, Peter had denied Jesus three times. So Jesus is now, and then and Peter runs back to his old life. Well, never mind. He was the same Peter that said, Lord, wherever you go, I'll follow you, Lord. Don't you worry about that. I'll follow you. And the first opportunity that he gets to actually stand up for Christ, he denies him, and he runs off. And, he, and, and here's the interesting thing. But you know what? When people leave Want to, when people want to walk away from the church or they want to walk away from God, do you know the very first thing that we do? We want to find somebody else who will come with us. Oh, it's true. Peter did exactly the same. The other disciples are there, and, gee, and, and Peter says, come on, let's go. Let's go back fishing. And they're like, yeah, bro. And so what it does is it justifies 
The decision we've made to walk away makes us feel better because somebody else has come with us. This is not a criticism. I've been there. Because you want people to say, yeah, bro, that's right. You had every reason to leave that church. Bro, we, you had every reason to leave. You know the way that pastor spoke to you, fellas? Bro, you had every reason to leave, so we're coming with you guys because we believe that he was wrong. And you're like, yeah, bro, come on. And you're leading him down a track that, that's probably going to ruin his blinking life just to make you feel better about the decision you've made. And that's what Peter had done. But you know, the Lord is just so forgiving and he's such a good God that he sees the first opportunity he does and he restores Peter. Remember, tells Peter three times, do you love me? I love you, Lord. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you really love me? I love you, Lord. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? I feed my sheep. And then the prophecy comes. Straight after that, after he thinks he's got it all sussed with God. So now we're like, I thought we were tight, God. Well, you know, we, I, I said I was sorry. I said I forg- and, and it looks like you forgave me. And now you're telling me that I'm going to have a miserable death? And so to take, so, so, he, so if he's going to have a miserable death, what about the other fella? Because he should have a miserable death too. Because we're like that, aren't we? I know all you, okay, okay, okay. All you religious people aren't like that. But I'm a human fella, and just, just, just bear with me, because eh? I'm just putting it out there how I've felt at times. At times. So, you know, what about that dude? What about what's going to happen to him? And then Jesus tells him off, and he basically says this. Hey, well, he actually says this. What's it to you? What's it to you? Mind your own business. That was my original, going to be my original title. My father's mind your own business, but I didn't think it would go down that good. And he says, what's it to you? How I deal with John. If I decide that he's going to live a long, easy life, and as we know, he's the only one who wasn't crucified or wasn't martyred for the Lord. He lives his life out in exile in Patmos, writes the book of John. But, But, you know, but Peter wants him to suffer like him. And the Lord says, what's that to you? You mind your own business. You just follow me. Don't you worry about whatever else is happening all around you. Don't worry about that you've got the bad deal. Don't worry about that you've got the bad, the bad uh, um, thing from the doctor or, the, or that your house caught on fire. Or, or what. It's terrible that those things happen. But don't. Try and bring it, don't try and worry about that. Don't lose sight of following after Christ. And really what he's saying, forget all that stuff. You follow me. Amen? And you know, I can relate to Peter. I really can. I can relate to Peter. I can remember when Sari got cancer. And I thought, you know, you, none of you fellows knew that how I was feeling like this. But I, but I was. I, was, I struggled a little bit. I sort of thought, I thought, yeah, more than sorry. Sorry, sorry made having cancer look easy. But it wasn't easy for me. And I'll tell you why. Because I'm shallow. Real shallow. 
And when I first met Sari, whoo, it was all, 42 years ago, it was all about the looks. I didn't care whether she had a brain. She just looked mean. I, and look, us, I, I'm just saying straight up, I was the shallowest that they come. I've changed. I'm not that man anymore. That was 42 years ago. But whoo, Sari would come into the room and she would walk her fine self in there and I'd think, ooh, ah. I don't care if you can cook clean, whatever. Bo, she had this long black raven hair. Oh. That's why after six weeks we got married. I couldn't let her go another day. She might run off with some other fella. I had to get her. And so I can remember, and, and you know, I knew God would heal Sari. I knew it. I just wasn't confident that he would grow her hair back. <laughs> really? Now I know I'm shallow and you guys are thinking, holy heck, I'm so happy that he ain't our pastor no more. <laughs> but that's how I felt. And, and do you know what? I didn't even have time to think about it. Sari got diagnosed with cancer. She went on to chemo. Four days later, all that beautiful raven hair, gone. I never even had time to get used to the idea. She was just bald. And I was so upset with God. I know. And, and I, 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 I was so, I was feeling for Sari too. What? Yeah. And I, well, I've got that written down actually. Um, you know, and at first I thought it was okay. But, you know, because Sari made it look easy. But then, you know, Sari, was, Sari didn't wear her turban or whatever you call them up here when she was worship leading. But she's worship leading here with less hair than I've got on my palm. And I'd have to get up and preach after that. And I, just, and I was so struggling with, with the whole thing. And I'm so angry with God. Lord, you know, I gave up, I gave up my life to come here, plant this church, uh, 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 everything. And I've done it all, sacrificial Lord, I've done it for you. And why, why do I have to get this? Why do I have to deal with a bald-headed woman? <laughs> and Sari's, Sari's, saying, Sari's saying, tell them the song, because there used to be a song about, there, no, I can't, I can't, I can't, can't sing it. There was a song once that I used to sing, and it was about the, the, the different colored hair. It was about a red-headed woman who was as wild as they come, and then there was a, a, a blonde woman who was sassy as, and then there was the raven-haired woman who would basically uh, just wouldn't do anything you asked her to do. But then there was a bald-headed woman, and I used to say to Sari when she got lippy to me, I'd say, bro, you need to be like that bald-headed woman. I'm telling you straight up right now. And I would sing it to her. Now, bald-headed woman, she'll love you each day. You can beat her and kick her, but she'll always stay because she knows no one's coming to steal her away. Hooray for a bald-headed woman. And I had that moment. I had that moment where I thought, is this punishment, Lord, because I... Is this punishment? You know, in the early days, it was all about the look. She is a very good woman. And you know, the problem wasn't Sari's. It was mine. You know, and God took me on a journey uh, because, I, because, you know, I said, 
I said to Sari, you know, you, you just don't think that these things are going to affect your life. You know that other people go through it. And, and you have compassion and all of that stuff for them. And you, and you pray with them and, and, and you say all the right stuff. But when it happens to you, it's like, well, how do I get through this? We don't know. And I realized the problem wasn't Sari. Sari was dealing with it in the way that she dealt with it. And Sari's way of dealing with it was get on with life. Whatever will be, will be. This is what's happened. Sari's always been like that. But I'm way more shallow. And, and, and this was an area where God had to deal with this, this thing in my life. And I, and I had a moment there where I was so angry with God. It was like, I don't think I'm going to stay pastoring anymore. Forget this. I, I'm not going to do this anymore, God. I'll show you. Bro, you treat me like that, I can assure you. And I started to get this attitude, and you guys probably heard it in my preaching. I don't know. But, but I just was struggling hard. And God had to take me along this thing and remind me of commitments, promises that I'd made to Sarah that we would never, ever, nothing would come between us. And, and, I, and I used to say to the Lord, well, Lord, I need supernaturally you to come on my life and help me through this situation. So I can understand where Peter's at. You know, what about the other fella? Because I know there was other people in this church, no, I'm not going to say that's not right, that I want to say that they deserve that, that. But no. But anyway, God, God had to take me on this journey. And you know, it was about testing my true faith. It was a test of my faith. You know, we say we have faith, and the Bible talks about the testing of our faith, but we're not, trying, we're not proving to God, because He knows. He already knows the, the, the strength of our faith or the level of the faith that we have. We're proving it to ourselves, amen? How are you going to handle this? Are you going to let, are you going to let something like this cause you to, to step away from God and miss out on what God's doing in your life? Or are you going to choose that you're going to follow him anyway? And that he's still a good God, whether your wife's bald or not? You know, sometimes people say, well, why doesn't God step in? Well, I want to say he does. There are times he does. I don't fully understand on the other times that he doesn't. This is a conversation I'd love to have with the Lord when I meet him. Well, Lord, why did you heal this person, but you didn't heal that person? Because we know there's no favorites. But sometimes the journey that God has for your life is different than the journey that he has for my life. And, and you might do something way more miraculous or way more uh, that glorifies God than I'll ever do. And I shouldn't look at your life and, and I shouldn't, we should never compare. But often we do. We often compare. And it's not about that. There, I know when God, there are times when God steps in and it's amazing. You know, my son Ross, he would definitely be dead today if God had not stepped in miraculously and healed him. And it wasn't something that, that could take place over a week. I needed a miracle right there because that boy would have died. And, and, we, and I got the miracle. It, it happened. And, and Ross is here today and married and doing great with his life. But you know, then there's another time when it doesn't happen. I mean, at that time, I can remember praying for Ross, and I had complete faith that I was not going to lose my son, even though the evidence of it said he'll be dead in the next couple of minutes if you don't get a miracle. I was, com I was 
absolutely confident that God was, I was going to still have my son. But I had the same confidence when my best mate Dave was diagnosed with a brain tumor. We fasted and we prayed and we, we petitioned before the Lord. You know, we, we did everything. Oh, we did everything that we thought that was humanly possible. And yet, and yet my best friend, the guy that, that uh, Dave and I had talked about this very moment right now when we were both 65 years old, we were tripping the ticket off the government and we were, we were, gonna, we were retiring, we were going to hop in a, in camper vans, we were going to travel all around the top end of Australia, we are going to fish for barramundi in every hole, we are going to eat what we catch on the day, our wives are going to love it because there's no place to go shopping, it's going to be amazing. And we talked about this. We talked about all of the, the dive trips and the fish trips we were going to have. It was going to be awesome. And just before all that happens, he gets diagnosed and, and, and he dies. And I just didn't understand it. How could you do this, Lord? <laughs> like selfish as fellow, I know I am. But how could you do this to me, Lord? We planned this whole thing. I never even thought about his own wife and his kids for a little while. What well, just a selfish-ass guy. But, it, but it, you know, it did something in my life. And, it, and then after a few minutes, I thought, you know what? In honor of my best mate, I'm going to live my best life for Christ. I'm going to live my best life for Dave because that's what Dave would have wanted. Dave was the guy that actually helped get me back on the straight and narrow when I was walking the the uh, walking uh, sort of away from Christ, really. Walking away from a calling on my life. He's the guy that got beside me and said, mate, we can do this. Let's do it together. And yet he's not there. So I just want to finish with this, guys. It's not about equal. It's not about looking at somebody else. The minute we look at somebody else, we take our eyes, I believe, off what God's trying to do in our lives. We lose focus. Because now we're focusing on our, our misery and why are other people not suffering like us? So I guess my question today is whether we're flooded out, whether we lose our home, whether we have a, a, a life-threatening uh, a diagnosis, whether whatever, will we choose? Can we believe in our hearts that Jesus is a good God? Amen? Do we have... You know, that, that, uh, uh, that confidence, that, that's, what it, that's what we need. We need the confidence to know that it doesn't matter what's happening around you and I. We want to hear what the Lord said to Jesus. This is my son, who I'm well pleased. And the only people who are going to really hear that, I mean, uh, the people are going to be in the kingdom. People are going to get into the kingdom. But you don't say, this is my son who I'm well pleased to the disobedient fellows and the guys that are causing you trouble or have walked away from their calling because, you know, they wanted to do their own thing. I don't know quite the answer to how, what, what, I don't know how, what they're going to get. Go on, get in here, go on. You and then there'll be to others where he will say, this is my son, this is my daughter who I'm well pleased because it doesn't matter what you went through. It doesn't matter what storm came your way. It doesn't matter what you lost. You still chose to follow me. Amen? Amen? Amen. So, Father, I just thank you for your incredible goodness. Father, you are a good God. We want to acknowledge that today, Father. You are a good God, and all the time you are good. And Father God, we just ask for your Holy Spirit to come upon us. 
Come upon us in power, Lord God. Father, enable us to go through. Father, we know that we are in a time. We are in the end times, Lord God. We know, Father God, we will soon see you face to face. And, but Lord, you said that there were going to be trials and hardships and uh, many things, Lord. God, that Father, that would come, that we would have to endure. And you also said, Lord God, there are going to be many things that are going to cause us. We're going to be deceived. The people are going to try and come and deceive us. There is going to be the, the leaven of the, of the Pharisees. The religious spirits are going to creep into the church. All of these things, Lord God, Father, are there to cause us to stumble and fall and to take our eyes off you and your goodness, Father God, and see the life that we really want for ourselves, our own selfish life. So, Father, I ask, Holy Spirit, anoint us, Father, to go the distance. Anoint us to go the distance, Lord God. And Father, I ask that you, for every one of us, you would bring somebody into our lives, like my mate Dave did for me, Lord God, and stood with me, encouraged me, prayed with me, and told me that I can do it. Helped me to, to, to be a better man, to be a better follower of Jesus. So Lord God, I just thank you for your goodness, and I ask you to bless this church, Father, in your precious name. Amen. If you've never, uh, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you know, you might be thinking that, well, after I preach this morning, you might say, I don't know if I want to follow that fella. <laughs> but I just want to tell you that, you know, that that is the best life that you will ever live. Amen. Putting your faith in Jesus Christ, becoming a, a righteous, leaving the unrighteous life behind and having your sin forgiven is just an amazing weight that you don't have to carry. If that's you this morning, I'm going to be just down here. I'd love to, for you to come to me. I'd love to pray with you and lead you in a prayer that you would find Christ for the first time in your life. Amen. Amen. And if there's anybody here needs prayer for anything, if you're feeling anxious every time it rains because something's happened to you, or whatever it might be, we have a great prayer team that would love to pray with you and, and um, help you through this time. Amen. Amen. Amen.